I think newsletters are actually really powerful. We can kind of talk about our journey at Vanderbilt in a second. Um, I think that um, they're really um, helpful, but when you're sending the same newsletter email every week with the same subject line that just says, Nils Smith newsletter, February 26th as the subject line, that tells me nothing. And I get thousands of emails every day. Why would I open an email that has um, the same subject line, you know, every Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I am joined by one of the smartest marketing minds uh, that I have ever met, uh, Holly <laughs> Tate. Holly, thanks for joining us. Well, man, what an introduction, Nils. Thank yes. you. I don't know if I can live up to that, but I so appreciate uh, you asking me to be here and I'm excited to dive in today. Yes. Holly has been serving churches for many years. Holly and I met almost a decade ago, I think now, um, and have, have grown up together in serving churches and in a, a lot of developing technologies. I remember when we first started talking, Facebook was the thing. And now Facebook is an afterthought uh, for many churches yeah. and social media. Um, Holly is often also referred to as HubSpot Holly. Um, and uh, in her expertise around HubSpot. And what we want to talk about today, Holly, and what I want to learn from you and I, and I want church leaders to learn from you is how does email or how should email better fit into a church's communication strategy and how does email align to social media? So as they're using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, how does email fit into that? I would love maybe before you jump into that, how, uh, how what's been your journey as a marketing leader of understanding this digital landscape and email in particular, fitting into your communication strategy at Vanderblumen. Yeah, totally. Well, so I've been on staff at Vanderblumen for almost eight years, which yeah. is just insane to think about. Nils, you were one of the very first people that William introduced me to when I started working at Vanderblumen. And I remember our first video call. It was so cool. Yes. Yes. Um, I almost just called you Holly Hall, by the way, uh, right. when I was introducing <laughs> my you. My maiden name. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness, that's so crazy how time flies. But um, yes, email has been a massive part of our marketing strategy um, and you know communication strategy as a brand because it is a relationship-driven communication mode. And at Vanderblumen, you know, we help churches and Christian organizations find their key staff, which is all about relationships. So for us, you know, it, it's huge because um, it's a way for us to directly communicate, even if it's a mass email that we're sending to a lot of different people, we're able to get directly into their inboxes and have that one-on-one -on -one touch with um, the receiver of the email. And so it has been a pivotal part since day one. You asked about my journey. I mean, I started at Vanderwoman when I was 23 yep. and literally, and you also mentioned HubSpot. Um, so literally every day would be me getting my cup of coffee yep. from, you know, 8 a.m. sitting yep. at my desk at Vanderblumen. And at the time we were like seven employees in this house, literally like a house that was converted to an office space. And I would read the HubSpot blog and I would say, hmm, how can I apply that to what we do? Like, I am definitely not a genius. Um, I just am kind of scrappy and like to problem solve. And so, um, you know, that was 2012 um, when HubSpot was really kind of leading the charge on helping brands think strategically about email 
rather than blasting everybody with the same message, how can you segment and um, again, build relationships through email. And so I would just read what they said and try to adapt it for the church. And um, here we are eight years later and definitely learned a lot um, throughout the last eight years. And um, it's, it's still such a helpful tool, but also it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. So, so let's dig into that uh, before we get, in, get into strategy. A lot of people, and I still hear it, and I've been hearing it for a decade, is emails dying. You know, you should, you should basically switch from email to social media. Um, what, what are you seeing trend-wise? Because it is harder and harder, um, but is email dying or is, what, what do you see happening uh, in just email from an engagement standpoint? Yes. So I feel like we should have Tom Monahan from HubSpot on this call. Our friend, Tom, um, who we've had adventures with, but um, he would be able to, you know, give us the data that shows us that that email is not dying. It just is looking different. And I think anytime that someone tells you that, that any channel is dying, um, unless it's a specific app, like I think back to, um, you know, Periscope, <laughs> where, you know, it was so popular and then it literally did die. Um, but when we think about a channel overall, so social media would be a channel, um, email would be a channel, uh, texting would be a channel. Overall, when we talk in broad brushstrokes about channels, I think that's where it gets really dangerous because in this world that we live in where it is so noisy, and so crowded and there are 11 bajillion ways to communicate with someone. It's important that we strategically integrate our communication strategy. I think when we just use one channel or rely on one channel, that's where it can be dangerous. I think there are some exceptions to that. If you're just starting out and you are doing no marketing, I think it's really important to choose one channel that you feel comfortable with and get excellent at that. Yes. But when you think about scaling an organization or growing an organization, I think that it's vital that you think strategically about how can we integrate everything to work together to all point towards the same vision that we're trying to achieve. Um, and I think email is a critical part of that. So I don't think it's dying. I think it's just getting harder. So I think it's easy for people to be like, oh, it's dying because they just, the things that they've been trying to do that worked maybe three years ago or that worked yesterday is not going to work today or tomorrow or three years from now. And, but I think that's all of marketing. I think that it's all one big experiment and you have to be, you have to have insatiable curiosity um, in order to be good at it because it changes every day. Yes. Yes. That's good. So good. Um, and I, and I think, uh, and I, I, one of the things I struggle with is shiny object syndrome. And so <laughs> yes. I often want to get on all the new uh, platforms, but but I do think there are some like Periscope that you've got to just move on from. Um, but but email is one of those core that when you invest in the platform, a lot of churches get frustrated of we built this page and now Facebook doesn't show it to anybody. Uh, yep. But email, while it is more more challenging sometimes with the open rates and, and more crowded, it's it's a, one of those platforms that that has withstood time uh, and doesn't seem like it's really going to disappear anytime soon. And so probably the most valuable. Uh, data point or, or communication point that you can have maybe second to SMS, but you can do so much more uh, with email than you can with SMS. And so uh, yeah. Holly, I would love to get your thoughts on what are some of the key mistakes churches make uh, that you're seeing when it comes to email? Yes. Well, I want to go back real quick to yeah. something you just said that was yes. so important is 
the um, analogy you used with a church creating a Facebook page and then being frustrated because Facebook isn't showing that page anymore, whatever it might be. That right there is so smart because it's the difference between rented versus owned media. So with Facebook, with any social media platform, they're a business. They are trying to earn money. And so they want you to have to pay to get your message in front of viewers. And they have data that we want. We want to get in front of certain people that are interested in certain things and this certain age and live in this certain place. So we're willing to pay for that. We're renting that space from Facebook, from Instagram, from um, Twitter, whatever, you know, LinkedIn, we're renting that space. With email and SMS that you just said so brilliantly, we own that. We own that person's email address. We own that person's text message. So even, even though they might unsubscribe, we still have a way to personally contact them because we have their email address if we were to send them a one-on-one email. So I think that's really critical for folks to understand the difference between rented and owned. And so to answer your question, what are some of the biggest mistakes with email? One of them is not realizing the difference between renting and owned and investing way too much in rented media rather than owned media. I think it's way smarter. Um, It's a longer game um, than than renting. Uh, So I guess it just kind of depends on what your goals are but it's really helpful to own as much as you can. So that's owning your, you own your website, you own your email list, you own your, you know, SMS list. Um, That is, is really critical. So um, there's a lot of churches that I don't even think are collecting email addresses from church members or um, even on their website. And so I think the first mistake is, to the, to not be collecting that and to give people an opportunity. There's so many in your, so many people in your church that are like waving their hand going, I want to receive communication via email from you, but you're not giving them that opportunity. So that one is key. I think another mistake that I see is, um, I think newsletters are actually really powerful. We can kind of talk about our journey at Vanderbilt Women in a second. Um, I think that um, they're really Um, helpful, but when you're sending the same newsletter email every week with the same subject line that just says Nils Smith newsletter, February 26th as the subject line, that tells me nothing. And I get thousands of emails every day. Why would I open an email that has um, the same subject line, you know, every week? So even if it's a newsletter, I think it's important that you understand the value of that subject line space. Yes. Um, it is critical to getting um, engagement in your um, in your emails, and so those are the two that immediately come off my the top of my head. Would be a just not collecting emails or giving yes. people the opportunity to opt in, and then b um, just not thinking strategically about the subject line or um, how to really engage people through the subject line of um, a weekly church newsletter. Yes, that's so good. That's so good. One of the things that I, uh, I've, I've talked to pastors about or churches about is they, they feel like it's unnatural for a church to capture email. When you think about a business and like Vanderblumen, you can have a, an ebook or you can have a webinar uh, that somebody could get. It, it would feel weird for, to get to a church website and say, give us your email address to do this webinar or give us your email address uh, for this resource do you have you seen churches do that with ebooks or things like that or what would you recommend for capturing email addresses and moving them into that kind of engagement path 
So what is fascinating to me is the lack of understanding that church leaders have about how much content they're sitting on. So churches inherently on a weekly basis are making more content than any business out there. They just don't realize it. And so we're at this interesting place that provides an incredible opportunity for churches because attendance is going down. It does not mean that um, engagement with the church is going down. And I think that could be like a whole nother podcast that we talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, But butts and seats on Sunday That number might be going down, but there's a massive, because they're, they're at a baseball game or they're on vacation or they just had a really hard week at work and they want to stream it online and sit on their couch in their PJs. Um, There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But it is our responsibility as church leaders to understand how do we engage our audience and meet people where they are. It is not helpful to force people into the way that we want them to receive the information. We need to understand how do they want to receive the information and how do we best deliver it to them. So a great example would be, you know, if you're not recording your sermons, at least the audio, but this day and age, it's super affordable and super easy to record the video. So even if you're not streaming it, um, just to record it and make sure that you're podcasting it on a weekly basis. Um, you can video podcast it. There's a million, you know, you can throw it on YouTube. There's a million different ways. And Nils, you'd probably be way better at answering all of those questions than I would be. But the point is to use your email list to distribute that content that your a lot of your congregation probably didn't have the opportunity to engage with on Sunday because they weren't there. And so I think that's the best low-hanging fruit to stay on your website um, or when somebody goes to the connection table at, you know, physically at church on Sunday is to say, you know, hey, sign up here because every week we're going to deliver the weekly um, sermon. We're going to provide small group questions that you can discuss in your small group based on the sermon. I've been a small group leader, and that is the hardest part and, um, is, you know, content to talk about on a weekly basis. That's not just social hour. Yep. Churches can provide that in a weekly email. Um, here's the sermon link. Here's questions to talk about with your friends and your small group this week. Um, you know, and here's some action items, some of steps we want you to take next of different ways you can get involved in the next week or month or whatever it might be. So I would encourage churches, I guess that's a very long way of answering your question of don't think about it as like lead generation. That's, that's how a lot of businesses or um, organizations that are selling something or raising money, which, you know, churches obviously need to raise money to, to keep the lights on. Um, <laughs> that it's not lead generation, it's content distribution for engagement um, to to show up where your audience is and provide value to them. And I think that a weekly, um, you know, delivery of that content that happened in a service on Sunday is a really easy way to do that. Yes, yes. Should, Holly, as you, we get into the kind of the details of email, uh, you can do a ton of automation around segmentation, around drip series, um, and you get into some really cool things from a marketing perspective, but I think churches can feel overwhelmed when you get into that that detail of email communication. How, yeah, how important yeah. are those things, or it, should churches not worry about that? Should they just have one big email list and just keep it simple? What, what do you think is, a, is the general best practice for churches? 
So I think it depends on where the church is in their marketing journey. So if, if you're listening today and you're like, oh my gosh, we're not even sending out any email communication, yep. then I would just start there. And maybe that looks like a, we- a really well done intentional weekly newsletter that goes to everybody. Yes. Um, that is a great first step. And then as you're collecting data from how that newsletter is performing, once you get that under your belt a few months from now, or maybe even a year, like there's no timeline. Um, but once you feel good about, okay, we've got a system, we've got a process, this is working. Now, how can we start using the data that we're gaining from that newsletter to segment out our list? So if you're not doing anything today, I would say start there. If you already have that weekly newsletter or you already have some sort of email strategy that you're utilizing and you're desiring to build upon it and use some segmentation, I would start and um, kind of break your congregation into personas. You know, I love the word persona. (laughs) If you've listened to any of my talks, um, this is one of my favorite things. But um, I'll use me as an example. So my husband and I are super involved in our church, um, but we don't have any kids. And so for you, for my church to send me an email about the children's ministry um, or something for parents is completely irrelevant to our life right now and where we are in our life stage. And so sometimes I think that churches don't think about that. They, they're just trying to get a message out there rather than thinking about who should be receiving this message. Yeah. But Nils, you've got two beautiful girls. And you're, I'm sure at your church, you would love to get information about kids' um, ministry, you know, maybe updates in the check-in process, maybe new activities, or maybe even content for parents about how to have hard conversations with your kids, like whatever that might be. Yes. That's going to be really relevant to you, but not relevant to me, even if we go to the same church. Yes. So I would encourage church communicators or marketers to just think about those big buckets. Um, so start simple. You don't need to over-engineer it. I think that's sometimes something that, um, and I've been there before where I've tried to over-engineer something and I realized I just took this to like a 10 and I was at a two. I needed to just go to a three. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, think about those big buckets. You know, is this family, do they have kids? Is this person single? Is this person married? Um, and then your newsletter is a great opportunity to provide sections because even though I'm don't have kids, I might want to forward that information to a friend. So it's not that you shouldn't communicate it at all. Yes. It's just a matter of thinking about how do we use email to get the right message to the right people. Um, so I would kind of start when you think about segmentation, just start with big buckets. And I think family or stage of life is a great way to yeah. do that. Um, are they married without kids? Are they married with kids? Are they single? Are they single with kids? You know, just kind of thinking about those big buckets of where they are in their life stage and segmenting um, them that way. But no, that requires that you have some sort of church CMS and you would be shocked. Well, maybe not because you work with a lot of churches, but I'm shocked at how many churches are maybe even if they have one, they're, they're not utilizing it properly. It is so important that you at least have one and that someone on staff is being paid to think about how are you maintaining the quality of what is in that CMS? Because what that CMS is, it's relationships. It is tracking the relationships that you have with your congregation. And if you are not tracking those relationships, how in the world are you supposed to maintain that relationship? Um, So that's probably a whole other podcast. That's huge. But but I do think this is that that's a critical point 
in this conversation with email is at the core of email, what makes it so valuable is the data, is being able to communicate directly with people into the right people in the right way. And what you can do in comparison to social media with that targeting is, is such a big deal. I, I, I mean, a couple of things here. One, on the church database side, I used to complain. We had F1 at CBC Community Bible Church. Yes. Uh, and, and we would say that was the F word in the church world, you know, like <laughs> it was, it was so bad and it still is what it is. Um, yeah. and a lot of churches are stuck on there and it's hard to switch, but there are such good op- options now with church community builder, with, yes. um, the rock with, you know, there's, uh, we go on Tidely's got, got a good one. Um, you know, Blackbaud's now, you know, got a church. There's lots of good technology options. Faith Life, I think, is $15 a month uh, for yeah. a church. A small church, it doesn't have to be really expensive. Um, and in that, having that data is, that's owned. You know, so as Holly was talking about owned uh, channels, that's really important. And then what that allows you to do from a just communication standpoint with email and with other communication channels uh, is really valuable. Holly, a couple of um, kind of continuing to dive into the weeds of email a little bit. Yeah. When it, how much is too much when it comes to emailing people? I hear from churches like, oh, people don't only want to get one email a month. We don't want to over email them. And then what are, what are decent open rates uh, or just the, you know, when you're starting to look at, are we doing well with email? Uh, what, what should they be looking for? Oh my goodness, Nils, this is such a good question. And I don't have definitive answers to either of these, but I can just share what I've learned. Yeah. Um, so to your first question about um, how much is too much. Yes. So um, in our own journey at Vanderbilt, and we've been trying to figure this out. So, um, you know, I've been there for eight years. When we started, I think we were doing like, when I started, we we're, you know, uh, publishing one blog article a week, and then we upped it to two, and then three, and then... We upped it to five, including our podcast. And we were creating so much content because we heard that people loved our content and they were printing it out, like literally printing out articles, taking them to staff meetings, taking them to board meetings. So that meant that we were sending it just if you were subscribed to our blog, we were sending, you know, four to five blog or content emails a week. And then on top of that, we had different announcements or initiatives that we wanted to communicate beyond just what was on our blog. Um, Or maybe we wanted to segment and send a certain amount of people, a webinar, um, you know, email or whatever it might be. It was a lot. And that was one of the feedback points of feedback that got. So about a year ago, we switched back to a newsletter, which feels old school, right? I mean, we did a newsletter when I first started at Vanderbilt eight years ago and then switched to the direct, um, you know, automatic notifications of our blog. And then now we've switched back to newsletter. Um, And the jury is still out for me on what is better from a business standpoint. Um, So I, I'm still kind of, it's been a year and I'm still monitoring that data. Um, So I think ultimately Nils, it's, goes back to the data question. And this helps answer your second question, which is um, how do you know what open rates you should have or click through rates you should have? I think it's more of looking at, don't compare yourself. I mean, yes, there are industry standards you can look at like, you know, high teens to twenties is like average. If you're in the thirties, that's amazing. Um, But I think it's more about, okay, where are we now and how do we optimize to improve over time? So if today you're getting a 10% open rate, um, you know, that should tell you that you might be hitting spam inboxes. 
um, you or sorry, not spam inboxes, spam boxes. Yeah. <laughs> um, or people just your subject line might stink. Um, yeah. Or you know maybe you're sending irrelevant content. There there could be a lot of things there. But the goal is okay. We're at ten today. How do we get to twelve? Um, by the end of the year or how do we get to 20 by the end of the year whatever that might be I think it starts by just looking doing an internal audit to figure out um, and you can do that through a lot of ways at first I think it's as a team as a communications team looking at what you're sending and internally auditing it yes. but then also asking your congregation yes. um, maybe that's through a survey or doing a focus group um, to figure out what are we missing here how can we better communicate with you through email yes. um, and what do you want to see through our emails? And again, because it's all about serving. I'm big on this as a communications team or person, because a lot of us are part-time communications people out there. Yes. Um, our job is to serve the congregation, it is not to force the congregation into the way that we want them to receive content. It's to be a learner of them and then serve them through the way that they want to um, receive that content, to meet them where they are. And so I think if you have that perspective, you'll be able to see um, how you can improve, so. Yes, that, that was such good advice. I, I think, you know, we should always, data should have a seat at the table. We should be paying attention to this. I, I think you're, you're so right though to say that industry standards, the church is a very different organization uh, than, than a lot of other organizations. And so you really need to compare yourself to yourself. Uh, so pay attention to the data. Um, but, but I think even looking at those things of open rates and, um, and how that, how that, you know, was it, was it the subject line? What were some of those things that, that helped create more engagement and less, um, a couple thoughts here that I want to add is I think I've, I don't know that I've ever heard somebody say that their church over communicates with them. Uh, and so if, if they're start if you're starting to hear that and it needs to be multiple people, don't just listen to one person who says that you over email, um, people want to hear from their church. People want to get valuable content from their church. And, and I think multiple emails a week is not a bad thing. I think a minimum is one email a week. If you're not sending a, an email a week, you are under emailing. Um, and, so good. and I think you can be sending two or three emails a week, but it's, it's about value uh, to Holly's point. And so make sure what you're sending them is valuable. Uh, one of my clients, Pete Scazzaro uh, here in New York, has uh, he he has a, po a podcast out and we're the same thing. We're getting more and more content on a regular basis. We don't want to over email. And Pete was very concerned of in, in having that one call to action. So every week we send this podcast email. Well, he's also now has a YouTube video that comes out every week. And we didn't want to send two emails a week or we tried that a little bit. And we actually saw it hurt our, in that situation, open rates. Well, what we've done is now combine the, the basically the email for the podcast and the YouTube channel, we thought, is that going to be confusing having multiple things in one email? Well, what we found is the podcast engagement has increased and the YouTube engagement has increased from click throughs from the email because That's we had now more value in that email. And so even if the podcast of the behavior that's happening doesn't catch their attention, they also know, should I watch the, you know, is the YouTube value video going to be something this week? that's going to bring value. And then we typically even have one additional announcement below that. And so we really restructured the email. Uh, we're emailing the same consistency, but we've changed the format. Uh, but what we thought might decrease our podcast engagement hasn't at all. So you have to test to know whether something is going to work, whether it's going to engage or not. So feel free to do that. And you can always go back. Uh, you're not locked into a new structure. 
Um, Holly, as we wrap up this podcast, I would love any final thoughts about email that you'd want to share or social media or anything uh, that you'd want to share uh, with uh, the pastors and ministry leaders that are listening. I would just say it's all about relationship. Think about marketing, especially in ministry and in church. It's all about relationships. And so as you are thinking about social media or email or SMS, um, I mean, even doing your announcements from stage on Sunday, you know, whatever communication you're doing, it's all about building a relationship to meet your congregation where they are and help them along their journey. And so I think if we can just go back to that very simple yet also complex, <laughs> I don't know, um, concept of, um, I think we'll see a lot more fruit if we can recenter and, you know, just think about the end goal is that we're doing this to help people along their spiritual journey towards Christ. And so it's all about building a relationship. Um, I think a lot of marketing goes back to like the golden rule, like treat others the way that you would want to be treated, you know? So like, would, would you want to get five boring or useless or salesy, salesy emails every week? No, you yes. wouldn't. So stop sending yes. them to other people. Um, so I guess that would be my, my outgoing, just stealing the golden rule, treat others the way that you don't want to be treated online. <laughs> Love it. We're going to quote that and we're going to have a meme. Holly yes. face real big, treat others uh, the way you want to be treated online. That'll um, be good Holly, accountability for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, if you're not on Vanderblumen's email list, go to vanderblumen.com today. It is the most valuable email that pastors can get. I, I am not a pastor anymore, but I still, that's one of those emails every week that when I, I get it, I open it and I go through there and there's so much uh, great content in there uh, that every pastor, and don't feel like you're looking for a job because you got on Vanderblumen's email list. They yes. are serving pastors and ministry leaders in, in so many ways. Um, and the, the diversity of content uh, in that email and on the podcast, it's so good, Holly. And you've so effectively served churches uh, beyond uh, just staffing the church, but really resourcing them uh, with just knowledge. And, and it's, it's so incredibly valuable. Um, outside of the website, uh, Holly, how can people connect with you personally online? And how can people connect with Vanderbloom online? Yeah, well, talking about email, email me. Yeah. <laughs> so my email address is holly at vanderblumen.com. I, I won't spell it for you, but um, you can probably see it in the title yep. of this podcast yep. um, or just, you know, Google it. It'll come up. So holly at vanderblumen.com. Email me anytime. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about, what you're working through. And then, yeah, you can follow me pretty much on any social channel. I'm not on TikTok yet, um, Nils. I should <laughs> probably use your help on that. But any social media channel at, at, at Holly Hall Tate um, is my handle there. So would love to connect with you and, and learn with you. Okay. Well, by the time this podcast comes out, uh, you can look up Holly on TikTok at Holly Hall Tate <laughs> uh, on TikTok. TikTok um, and go find it. in the show notes, socialmedia.church. Uh, we'll have links to the email, the website, everything you need uh, from this podcast and to, to connect further. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you in the next episode. Thanks, Nels.